welcome to our Scottish collaboration storytelling episode. But I can't take credit for coming up with this amazing idea. That goes to the awesome Derek, who is the host of many, many podcasts, such as Ratchet Book Club, where Derek reads good classics and hood classics, which I'm a huge fan of, and also Storytellers, which Derek describes as being four minds, one story where two age-old activities of storytelling and the game Telephone are fused together, culminating in a thrilling new medium called Storytellers. Here's the man himself to tell everyone what to expect. Uh, the way that it begins is that we have four storytellers and we randomly choose who will go first, second, third, and fourth. And from that, the first person will begin the story. Uh, they then send their segment to the, of their story to me, and I send that on to the second person. The second person will continue the story based on what the first person did, and then they will send their segment back to me. Here's where it gets interesting, because I take the second person's story, and I send only their segment to the third person. And I tell the third person to build it into a climax without ending the story. And then I take the third person's story and I take their part and their part only and send it over to the final storyteller. And I tell them to bring the story to a logical conclusion. So without ever hearing the beginning of the story at all, the person who's at the end has to end the story. And without ever hearing how the story ends, the person at the beginning has to begin the story. And then we all get together on Zoom and we have a meeting and a sit down. We talk about how the story went. And it's generally pretty doggone awesome. Uh, the stories sometimes stay on the same path all the way through. Sometimes it deviates wildly from where the initial story was thought to be. But anyway it goes, it is a excellent experiment in the art of storytelling. Some people write their stories out. Some people improv their stories and just say it as a freestyle sort of thing. And either way, it's just fine. Again, this is just to show that anyone can tell a story. You can find out about Derek and his podcasts on Twitter at Ratchet Book Club and you can find all links in the show notes. So now we know what today's episode is about, let me tell you who the storytellers are today. We have Stephanie from the Scottish and Scared podcast, we have Tony from the Scottish Memories podcast and we have Greg from the Culture Swally podcast. So let's find out a bit more about them. So welcome to the show Tony, can you tell us a bit about you and your podcast Scottish Memories? Uh, no, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah, my podcast is called Scottish Memories. I've been running it for about two years now. And it is a series of interviews with various Scottish personalities, actors, presenters, newsreaders, anyone really, and to share their memories of growing up in Scotland um, and places they like to go and visit in Scotland and try to introduced Scotland to people who have never been here before to encourage them to come and visit and also for us Scots to have a bit of nostalgia and remember what it was like pre-internet. You've done a lot of interviews Tony but who has stood out for you the most? See that's, that's a difficult question I've been very lucky with the guests who have spared the time especially when it, during the pandemic they were all sitting in their house doing nothing waiting for something to do. So, I mean, Ross King has got to be up there because he was the first person who took the risk to come on. He was my first guest. And then I've been very lucky. I had Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son, and um, uh, Andy Gray, who unfortunately passed away now. Um, uh, Grant Stott, 
I, you know what? There's so many that I've been so lucky, so so lucky, um, and the fact that they're all kind enough to give their time to spare an hour to come on and chat to someone who they don't know, mm-hmm. and just have fun and have a bit of banter. It's difficult to pick one. And some of the moments are quite funny. I remember just um, I think it was with Zara Janjua, who's a, who's a presenter and comedian. I think we had a 20-minute conversation about the rules of Kirby, <laughs> which, you know, it, 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 these are important conversations that have to be had. <laughs> <laughs> and has anybody surprised you? You know, you've maybe had an expectation about somebody and you were surprised by them. It's funny, when uh, everyone who comes on has obviously got a different background, um, be it growing up, because I've, I've been lucky enough the they've you know, they come from all over Scotland and they're all different fields of, I suppose, entertainment probably. But um, what I tend to find is um, the, the their interviews change on depending on their background. If they're used to this sort of thing, say if they're already a presenter, then it's really easy. Um, however, they're not used to being asked questions. So sometimes it's getting them in the mood, which is always quite fun. Sports personalities are always quite interesting because they're not quite as used to just talking about themselves when it's not just about sport. So it's funny when all of a sudden... I love moments where people forget the question and just go off on a tangent and talk about something completely random. I remember Andy Gray all of a sudden talking about when he was on tour and how they used to have to try to find random cafes with the most unique food. Um, just because that's what they did. You know, I love I love the stories that come out of nowhere. Um, and that's that's what makes the whole, whole interview and all these people and, and podcasts so much fun because you never know what you're going to get. I actually only have four questions, four simple questions, and we usually get about an hour out of the random stuff that comes out of there. So it's it's funny how 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 when you get us Scottish I mean listen to me, I'm I'm rambling <laughs> already. When you get us Scottish people talking, the random stories and no matter where we are, the and the background we all have, the, the, the things that we still have in common and the things that we still love, it's it's always fun. But I think one of my favourite things to do is the end of each interview I do uh, difficult questions for us Scots, which are all food based. And it's it's about five, six questions where they have to choose between one thing and another. Like, for instance, haggis, neeps and tatties or mince and tatties or tannocks, tea cakes and or caramel wafers. So it's, it's you know, it's important, hard questions. <laughs> and these are the ones that, that actually they turn around and say, well, you can't ask me that. That's not fair. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. I, 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 I've not really got a, a favourite moment, but I think that the, my most favourite thing it's when they forget what we're actually talking about and then we just have fun. That's what I really enjoy about it. So leading on from that, Stephanie and Greg, haggis, neeps and tatties or mince and tatties? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, a, I'm from the West Coast, so I'm a bit of a mince and tatties Oh, definitely. Yeah, man, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone's always the same. It's always mince and tatties. Because haggis, deeps and tatties tends to be a little bit more maybe a special occasion or something like that. Burns like, yeah. like that. But what um, everyone always shares is how everyone's mum made it different. You know, is, it, is, is there carrots in it? Is there peas? You know, every pair, everyone's mum makes it differently. There's no one recipe for, for mince and tatties. Yeah. And truthfully, it should only be two ingredients. But still, <laughs> but still everyone's mum made it a different way. And it's things like that that's fun. And, and, and talking about when, when I asked them, 
shortbread or tablet. And 90% of the time as well, everyone's like, oh, my gran used to make it. It's always, you know, it's all these little things that we've all got in common that are always fun. Brilliant. Thanks for that, Tony. So, Greg, tell us a bit about you and your podcast, The Culture Swally. So our podcast is called The Culture Swally. Uh, I do it with my friend, uh, Nicky. Uh, he couldn't make it today. Um, essentially, every every two weeks, we not so much review, but discuss a classic bit of um, either a Scottish film or a Scottish uh, TV series. Um, so we've got, you know, we've been going for the same as you, Tony, a little bit over two years. Um, I think like a lot of podcasts that came out of the pandemic when people were at home uh, looking to fill their time. Uh, Nikki and I both listened to quite a lot of podcasts and Nikki had the idea because him and I have known each other for 25 years. Um, although I live in Dubai, he lives in Amsterdam and we don't see each other as often as well. We don't see each other in person as often as we would like. We obviously see each other every two weeks when we do the podcast on, over Zoom. And so, yeah, so we thought, well, let's have a go. Um, I, I can't claim the brilliant uh, culture swally title. That was Nikki's idea. Um, but it seemed to be quite unique. Uh, the show is sort of like in two halves. Like the first part of the podcast, we find some of the more, shall we say, particular to Scottish news like sort of light-hearted stories um that sort of pop up in the fringes of the daily record or the falkirk herald or the press and journal or the scottish sun um and then we'd review uh we sort of take it in turns to choose what we're going to be talking about on each episode um we genuinely have no idea what the other one's chosen until the very end of the episode and uh yeah it's it's, it's good fun i think the first episodes are a bit a wee bit clunky, but um, I think we kind of found our, our feet about five or six episodes in, and it's just great fun to do. And Greg, for anyone who hasn't listened to The Culture Swelly before, what episode would you recommend to begin with? Well, was that actually one that we did quite recently? Uh, in, in October, we always try and find um, something a bit sort of Halloween-y um, for the two October episodes. And Nikki found one, you may remember, the BBC and ITV for that matter used to always do a sort of anthology series where it would be like a, like a, a one-off play I think they would, I think it was usually called the play for today in the 60s and 70s and uh, Nikki found one from 1989 called Govan Ghost Story you can find it on YouTube and uh, I'd never seen it I had heard of it because a couple of the actors that are in it had turned up in some of the other epi- some other episodes that we'd done but I never got into watching it and uh it's really good. I'd recommend it. But we just had a really good laugh as well. And quite often, a bit like what Tony was saying about interviewing some of his guests, because Nicky and I have known each other for so long, uh, more often than not, it sort of trails off into reminiscing or just general nonsense, um, which is, you know, it's always good fun having a laugh with one of your best friends. Um, but yeah, that's a particularly good one. And it's a good... Uh, it's written by the guy who wrote, um, Brian Elsie, who wrote the adaptation of The Crow Road, based on Ian Banks's uh, book of the same name. And he, he wrote Skins, the old Channel 4 um, thing set in Bristol with the students. He's written loads of stuff, like The Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rock Star. Uh, it's one of his first um, 
one of the first things he got on TV. So it's, it's well worth a watch, but the episode's uh, good fun as well. There you go. A great recommendation for you there. Thanks, Greg. And Stephanie, last but not least, can you tell us a bit about you and your podcast? Uh, so my podcast is called The Scottish and Scared Podcast, and it covers all things uh, strange and unusual here in Scotland, such as like haunted castles, ghost stories, mythological creatures, folklore, all that kind of stuff. And it kind of came off the back of, like you were saying, eh, Greg, eh, the pandemic. I was wanting to know more about things like that here in Scotland. I don't feel like there's a lot of people putting that kind of content out. Well, there wasn't at the time. So I just decided to <laughs> create one and just do it myself. Yeah, you're right. It was the same for why I started Scottish Mergers. There wasn't much content out there about just mergers in Scotland. But like you said, there seems to be more about now. Definitely, yeah. Um, absolutely. I was online looking for stuff and I just could not find anything. I was on YouTube. I was looking for podcasts, uh, books and stuff, and I just couldn't find much. Um, but now there seems to be like a whole load, which is great. Uh, so there's no shortage of content there. So we're doing this episode today for the Scottish collaboration. But what can everyone expect from Scottish and Scared for the collab week? I will be playing uh, a few promos, a few episodes uh, every day of the week of the collaboration. Uh, I'm also going to be on Mum's Mysteries and Murder podcast. And I'm going to be telling them a wee Scottish story about a haunted castle. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm doing this story with you, and that's about it. Well, Stephanie, it's not about it, is it? Because you're doing something special with Scottish Mergers and the Scottish Ghost Company too, aren't you? Oh my God, how could I forget about that? No. It's definitely yeah. a Sunday. <laughs> so what are we doing? We are actually going to be doing a ghost hunt at Bannockburn House with the Scottish Ghost Company. Yeah, I'm mega looking forward to it. I've been to Bannockburn House before, but I've never actually done like an investigation there, so I'm looking forward to it. I've never been in a ghost hunt before and I jump at my own shadow, so I'm really looking forward to it. Have you been in a ghost hunt anywhere else, Stephanie, for your podcast? Uh, yeah, I was invited to Castle Mingus and it was amazing. It was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And yeah, I, I was quite surprised. I did a whole episode on it. But I was quite surprised because this is going to sound really strange because I have a podcast about like paranormal and stuff, but I don't actually believe in ghosts. <laughs> like I believe that is something but I just don't necessarily believe in ghosts, per se. So, but when I went there, I had a few experiences that really, like, kind of shocked me a wee bit. Um, and I talk about it in the episode. So, yeah, it was really, really, it was actually amazing. And it's a beautiful castle as well. I'm like you, Stephanie. I don't believe in ghosts either. So I'm looking forward to seeing if I have any experiences. Yeah, I'm excited. So, Tony, what can we expect from Scottish Memories for the collab week? I'm hoping to have, uh, I'm still in the process of organising at this point, I've had a couple of, we need to set the dates, um, but I'm hoping to have a few of our fellow Scottish podcasters on as guests on Scottish Memories, which I'm looking forward to, it'd be nice to interview, and I hate to, to, to I don't mean to diss the guests I've had, but um, ordinary people, <laughs> people who aren't in the spotlight, so I'm looking forward to having uh, them on and just have a bit of a banter, um, which is going to be great, it's going to be great to talk to, to people who, one, uh, are various Scottish podcasters, which I'm looking forward to, just like I was looking forward to coming on and doing this today, and two, just to, again, 
share how many brilliant Scottish podcasts seem to be out there. I think from all of, from taking away from just the short conversation we've had already, the pandemic seems to have been good for Scottish podcasts. Because yeah. we all seem to have started because of it. But no, I'm really excited to have some of them on. And that's what the Scottish collaboration is all about, just to highlight that there is fantastic content out there. And Greg, what is the Culture Swally doing for the Collab Week? Uh, we've got, uh, we're doing an episode with uh, Mums, Mysteries and Murder. We always do a sort of, we always do a kind of Christmas episode uh, where we review something festive. Last year we reviewed, well, we didn't review, we discussed uh, the Cranky's Christmas special from 1983, which uh, brought back a lot of memories, <laughs> um, but was also just absolutely brilliant and just led to like a really long conversation about the crankies a lot of which we had to edit out um and then we'll do a new year episode as well um uh where we i think last we'll i think we're going to do the steamy for new year our new year episode this year because it's always on or it certainly always used to be on on hug Mini. um and then uh yeah we've got quite a robust schedule for the beginning of the of next year um although i don't know what nicky's picked he doesn't know what i've picked but um We've definitely got plenty to uh, tide us over anyway. Sounds good, Greg. You can also catch Greg and Nikki during the week of the collab on Scottish Murders Podcast, having a wee chat with me. So watch out for that too. So let's get started on the story episode. Now, there was a fourth storyteller who started off the story, but she wasn't able to make it today. And it was my sister, Cole. Cole got together with two of her friends, Kendall and Jess, and they wrote the first part of the story, and then Cole recorded it and sent it to me. And then I sent the first part of the story to the second storyteller, which was Tony. So, Tony, what did you think when you got the first part of the story? It was a lovely little introduction. And it, I think that the whole idea of this was so unique that, I, that it was, I'd, I'd be really interested to find out where the story went after what my contribution was because uh, 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 truthfully the part that I came up with I don't know where that came from in my head but in the back of my my, my head somewhere that went oh that would be fun but it, I, it, it was such a nice setup um, for the story to go anywhere for me to lead on to it was a lovely little start to it. Okay so here's the first part of the story read by Cole. When the strip lights flicked off and she waved her hands around to turn them back on for the third time. She knew it was time to pack up and go home. She looked at her watch, 6pm, Friday evening, and she's poring over expense reports and faded old receipts. Thrilling. It should bother her more, but she has nothing exciting waiting for her at home either. A microwave dinner, a glass of wine, maybe another episode of some godforsaken right-by-numbers show on Netflix. No one to go for drinks with and catch up on gossip, no one to go out to eat with. Well, unless you count the cat turning his nose up at his food in his bowl and trying to guilt her into giving up half of her food instead. He's hardly a thrilling conversationalist, though. She slumps and looks around her at the mountains of files and papers and sighs deeply. Tantalising chat or not, spending an hour budging Freddy away from her plate then sinking her fingers into his soft belly floor is better than being here. It should take her longer to pack up, but a wave of apathetic exhaustion hits her and she shoves the papers into a rough stack to be sorted into some kind of order on Monday morning. A problem for her future self, and not for right now. If she even makes it to Monday morning, that is. Maybe over the weekend she'll die of sheer boredom and lack of intrigue instead. 
As she does a final sweep of the floor to make sure everything is turned off and locked away, she sighs again, trying to keep the nagging doubt about the state of her life at bay. She regrets going to uni far away from home. She regrets choosing law. She regrets spending all of her time in the library instead of making friends. She regrets the amount of time she spent trying to make her parents happy instead of herself. She regrets ever moving to London. She regrets it all. But thinking like that isn't going to make her shitty internship any better and it's not going to make her life any more exciting. Living on her own in London, she can't afford to have an exciting life anyway. The lift rattles its way down to the ground floor and she takes a second to thank whatever higher powers might exist in the universe that the crappy thing made it through another journey and didn't trap her inside over the weekend. There are definitely worse fates than a boring day and that is certainly one of them. The reception is empty and dark. The secretary staff, long since having gone out for drinks and sushi, on the company card with their execs old enough to be their fathers. She huffs a disbelieving laugh when the security guard doesn't even look up at her as she walks past. He's earning more money than she is and he's not even doing his job properly. The lack of acknowledgement makes her feel like a ghost, drifting through the corridors of a building she's tethered to, only the click of her shoes on the polished floor making her feel real. The echo of her footsteps follow her out of the foyer and into a little underground car park, sounding smaller somehow in the expanse of the floor. It takes her a while to notice that something about it sounds odd, off slightly. There's another sound underneath her footsteps, almost like someone following her. She quickens her pace slightly as she walks to the little old bike rack near the exit, just enough that it wouldn't seem too obvious, but enough to make her feel better. As she listens, the sound changes again, more like chiming or tinkling, metal on metal, clinking somewhere. What the hell is going on? The keys in her hands feel warm, held firmly between her fingers, just in case. She reaches her bike and bends over slightly to unlock it, keeping her back towards the wall and casting a quick glance around the empty carriage to assess any threats. Nothing. There's absolutely nothing. There could be someone hiding behind the pillars, she supposes, but she's far enough away from any of them as she can be while still being within the structure. As she fastens her helmet under her chin, a breeze rolls in down the exit ramp from outside and she smells jasmine, sweet and fragrant, it reminds her of a time she went to Annick Gardens and walked through a grove of jasmine. But she's not there now, and she can't afford to get lost in memories when she needs to leave. She swings her leg over the bike and pushes herself off as quickly as she can, building up speed to make it up the ramp without slowing down and leaving her vulnerable. Behind her, the noise gets louder. She pedals faster, heart racing in her chest. So, Greg and Stephanie, now you've heard the first part of the story, what are you thinking about where your parts of the story ended up? I'm actually quite surprised. There's a few things that Cole said in hers that kind of I touched on in my part. So I was, and I obviously never heard Cole's part, so that's quite interesting that, yeah, but I really enjoyed that bit and it's, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, like Tony said, it was a good setup. Yeah, it, is, it, yeah. it, was a, it was a beautiful blank canvas setup. It's like something's mm-hmm. going on, but it, it just left it open for anything to be going on. So, yeah, it was a yeah. lovely little setup. And, Tony, you wrote the next part of the story. So how did you go about writing your part? Did you just wing it? When I was listening to it, I sort of just let my imagination go a little bit. So I, I 
wrote structure points. I came up with structure points and just sort of went, this is where I kind of want to end up. Um, and uh, then when I, I then after about three recordings, then I had something because I just sort of let my brain come out with whatever it was coming out with. And then when I liked bits, I kept them. And then when I didn't, I changed it and just kept talking until I had something that, that I liked, really. <laughs> oh, your part was so good, Tony. Let's have a listen. She cycled as fast as she could. The footsteps kept coming, except they didn't speed up. How is that possible? She could still hear them, but they weren't going any faster. She looked about and could have swore the streets should have been busier than they were as well. There should have been people going home. There should have been people going out to the theatre, going out for dinner, something, but hardly anyone. She turned down a street and then realised that the street was misty, kind of foggy. She wondered what was going on, but then she noticed that someone was at the other end of this small, misty, cloudy and kind of cold, clammy street. He was just standing there, staring at her. She couldn't quite make him out. He was kind of silhouetted. She thought he was wearing a suit and what looked like an old fedora hat. She didn't want to hang about, but then she realised the footsteps had stopped. She turned around, cycled as fast as she could in any direction. After she'd been going for a couple of minutes, she realised that there was no one about now. There was no one on any street. What was going on? Was she dreaming? Had she fallen asleep at work? But no, she she didn't feel like she was dreaming. But then again, the streets didn't look right. You know that feeling where you're in a dream and you're talking to someone, but they look different, but you know who it is, even though they don't look like them. The, the streets kind of look like that. Everything looked wrong, but at the same time looked right. The footsteps still were nowhere to be heard. She thought she was cycling in the direction of her house. But again, not sure. It feels like I'm going in the right direction, she thought to herself. Then she noticed in the difference, the same figure. Quite far away, but blatantly the same figure just staring at her. And it was the only person she could see. She didn't know what to do. Do I go towards him? Do I ask what's going on? Do I cycle in the other direction? She decided to take a risk and go towards him. She wasn't cycling fast. She took her time, paced herself, tried to give herself some time to at least catch her breath, centre herself, tried not to seem like she was terrified, which of course she was. As she got closer, the man didn't move. He just stood there, looking at her, waiting for her to get to him. She decided to stop, just for another second, just to, just to centre herself, just to try to make head or tails of what was going on. Let's just, let's just run this through in my head one more time, she said. The footsteps didn't make any sense. The streets were quiet. Nothing seemed like they were in the right place. And this figure kept showing up in front of her. No, she had no idea what was going on. 
So she thought, I'm here now, I might as well commit. The man was about 500 metres away, so she cycled towards him. When she got there, she just stopped, looked at him. He didn't say anything. He just seemed calm, composed, not scary, not intimidating, just there. She looked at him and said, what the hell is going on? I thought exactly the same when I heard this story. What the hell is going on? <laughs> I can't wait to actually find out what's going on. It was amazing. So good. Greg, you did the ending of the story. So what are you thinking about the first two parts of the story? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I didn't obviously I didn't hear Tony's part. Um, I did hear Steph's. Um, I think it I think it sort of it kind of works out. It sort of connects like what I came up with and and where Tony took it, I think. <laughs> and what did you think when you got Tony's part of the story, Stephanie? I liked how he did that a wee tiny summary at the end before he finished. Like he was talking about the footsteps and stuff. So I was kinda I did what Tony did and I just like the first thing that popped into my head, I kinda was like, okay, let's just kinda go with that. So I did have an idea in my head. Um obviously Greg had to finish it. So I was hoping that I left it for Greg to do that. <laughs> Well, we'll find out soon enough. But first, this is what Cole thought of Tony's part when I played it for her. She said, Oh my God, I thought this part was amazing. I didn't expect it to go off in this direction. It's like a spooky alternate reality thriller. And I'm really excited to see where it goes next. I love the inclusion of the mysterious man. It'd be interesting to know, like, because obviously she's kicked the whole thing off. It'd be interesting to know what she thought in her head this original story was going to be <laughs> to then figure out the direction that we actually took it. Yeah, I asked her that too. I'll tell you what she said at the end. So here's Stephanie's part of the story. The man smirked and chuckled to himself. Hell, not quite, he spoke. Completely confused by the man's response, she stared at him for a moment, trying to gather her thoughts. While she stared, she noticed his clothes and unsettling appearance. His black fedora hat was casting a shadow over the tight, corpse-like skin that was clinging to his hairless skull. Every nook and cranny was in show. Her eyes moved down to his thin, long body that was draped in a black suit and coat, which only emphasised the ghostly white shade of his skin. As her eyes moved slowly back to his face, she noticed his eyes. Black as coal, no life or soul behind them. Shockingly, she felt absolutely no fear or threat from the terrifying stranger standing before her. Instead, she felt warmth and comfort. All of life's ridiculous little stresses, everything that she had had on her mind, finally left her and she felt only peace. How was he doing this? She thought, I've been looking for you, little one, the man whispered to her. What do you mean you've been looking for me? Who are you? She mumbled, her handlebars gripped tight under her fists. Another sinister smile stretched across his face, revealing his sharp, rotten teeth. I have many names, and it changes from place to place, none of which were of my choosing, of course. So you may call me whatever you see fit. She shook her head in disbelief, trying to make sense of everything that was going on around her. 
she wandered off into her thoughts. The streets, still empty and filled with that eerie mist, she had to be dreaming. There was no other explanation for this, none at all. It couldn't be a nightmare because she wasn't afraid, only curious. This man seemed so real. She could hear his laboured breathing, feel his icy breath on her face and her nostrils were drowning in the smell seeping out from behind his rotten smile. He was very real, but he was speaking in riddles. She shook her head, snapping back to the present and looked at him once more. You still haven't told me who you are or what you want. Why are you following me? She said. The man nodded and took a deep, painful breath before responding to the confused young girl standing before him. I can tell you the answers to all of your questions, but I feel that it would be best if we moved to a more comfortable position. Like where, she shrugged, we're in the middle of nowhere. He lifted his long, bony arms and pointed a finger to a small bench just behind them at the side of the road. She paused for a moment, placed her bike on the ground before walking over to the bench. They both sat down and there was a calmness, a familiarity between them like two old friends who hadn't seen one another in quite some time. She crossed her arms and sighed, taking in this peaceful moment. Will you tell me now, please? I need to know what's going on. I feel like I'm going nuts. The man nodded and removed his hat, revealing his bald, skull-like head, before turning to the girl and smiling. <laughs> Tony, what did you think? That's brilliant. Loved it. it. Loved every minute of it. I'm like, I'm yeah, really, thank God. <laughs> I really want to know who this guy is now. I can't wait to find yeah. out. <laughs> it was a perfect way to leave it, saying he'd answered all our questions. I thought, oh, where's Greg going to go with that? Sorry, Greg. <laughs> it was such a good setup for Greg. Really good, Stephanie. Thank you. So this is what Cole thought of Stephanie's part. She said, Stephanie has such a lovely voice. I loved the description of the man. It was so scary and really gave me an image of what he looks like and how scary he was physically looking. But I have to say, I love the switch. I didn't expect to feel calm by the end of this. I really enjoyed that, you know, there was no feeling of being afraid and I felt really calm when he said, I've been looking for you, little one. She enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. So, Greg, before we play your part, the final part of the story... Can you tell us how you went about writing your part? Was it off the cuff or was there more planning involved? My approach was to sort of fret, panic and procrastinate until about <laughs> six hours before it was due to be submitted. Um, and then I listened to Stephanie's part quite a few times and then I, I sort of wrote it down. I, I Similarly to Tony, I kind of knew where I wanted it to go, I kind of wanted it to be a bit surprising. Um, so I, I, I wrote that, I wrote it down a few times and then when I was happy with it, I just sort of read it off the, off this kind of script, if you like, that I'd read, that I'd written rather, and just kind of did it verbatim as to what I'd written. Cause I knew if I tried to just do it off the top of my head with a kind of treatment or synopsis, I would have made an arse of it. So I <laughs> purpose to write it down. <laughs> As it, as it turned out, I had to record it about four times anyway because I <laughs> made an arse of it, you know, a few times. Well, the final result was perfect, and here it is. I've walked this world for countless years. I was here at the beginning, and I'll be here at the end. I'm burdened with a purpose, which is mine, and mine alone. He spoke calmly, 
almost pleasantly. He turned his hat over in his lap and seemed to study the underside of the brim. The girl still felt at ease, but there was suddenly a spark of anticipation in the thick air. Still, she felt no impulse to fill the brief silence, yet she couldn't bring herself to look at the man sitting next to her on the bench. After a moment, he continued, I meet people in your position every moment of every day. Often it's fair, but all too often it isn't. She sensed them turn to look at her. This isn't fair, he said quietly. You still haven't told me who you are, she replied tentatively. I thought you had loads of names. Oh yes, he gave a dry chuckle. Some have called me Samael. I was never a fan of that one. Others have called me Michael. A little dull, don't you think? When you've been around for as long as I have, you develop a taste for the, shall we say, theatrical. He chuckled again, and the girl was surprised to find that she was smiling too. She still couldn't look at him. Michael is such a practical name, you might say. Nothing wrong with it as such. It's a perfectly serviceable name. Perhaps if I were younger, he trailed off wistfully. She got a sense he was stretching something out, building to something. The feeling of familiarity was overwhelming, like the answer to a question on the tip of her tongue and wouldn't quite come. It was becoming maddening. The man seemed to sense her frustration. He continued, Thanatos, I like that one. There have been so many that I often forget, but occasionally my old names come back to me when I least expect it. Like now, I suppose. I haven't thought of old Thanatos for a very long time. Occasionally, when I remember an old name, I'm reminded of others. Like Moors. Not as flamboyant as Thanatos, but still dignified. Almost benevolent, like a favourite uncle. She heard a smile in his voice, and it gave her such a feeling of security and peace. She almost leaned her head on his shoulder. It made her think of her papa, her father's father. He'd passed away when she was younger, but the memory of him was always strong, somehow urgent in her mind. The pain and the aftermath of his passing had been unbearable, but time, as with all things, had dulled the sharpness of the loss, and she'd learned to focus on the happy times they'd spent together, just the two of them. Trips to the park, swimming, or just sitting together, him reading to her or telling stories about his own childhood. Even though he wasn't here anymore, he never seemed far away. When she closed her eyes, she could smell his aftershave, the rough skin of his carpenter's fingertips when he held her hand. She wished he were here now. She suddenly felt a need to get to the end of whatever was happening here. As though he could read her mind, the man said, I suppose I'm dragging this out. It's a habit I seem to have formed. He seemed surprised, as though he'd just come to this realisation. You said you'd been looking for me, said the girl, eyes fixed in her lap. I have, yet, in a sense, I've always been nearby. In the corner of your eye, just on the horizon, or off to the left. Out of focus, like an overexposed photograph, or maybe a spoiled painting. Tell me your name, she demanded. I can't stay here. That's true, we can't. We've lingered here too long already. He gently placed his arm on her shoulder. The acrid smell that had almost overwhelmed her earlier was replaced by something else, something familiar and fragrant. It was Old Spice, her father's aftershave. 
She finally turned to look at him. The sickly, decayed figure she'd met in the road was gone. In his place, a striking, dark-skinned man with intense blue eyes looked back at her. The tatty suit and fedora had been replaced by pressed trousers and a crisp white shirt and tie beneath a pale blue Lylan Scott jumper. Papa? she asked, her voice breaking in the surge of emotion. No, little one, I am Azrael. I am burdened with a purpose which is mine and mine alone. It brings me to you. He looked ahead and she followed his gaze to the road. The fog was lifting and the sun rising in the sky. It glinted off the chrome of her bike, still lying on the road where she'd left it, except it looked different. The frame was crooked and the front wheel was bent and buckled. There were streaks of blood culminating in pools here and there on the tarmac, which led to the body of a young girl lying crumpled in the road. A man was kneeling beside her, one hand holding hers, the other covering his face. A woman stood behind him with her hand on his shoulder. She held her phone to her ear. She was speaking into it urgently, but the girl couldn't hear what she was saying. A red Volkswagen Golf was parked at an angle by the side of the road, its hazard lights blinking uselessly. The girl got up from the bench and approached the scene. She peered over the prone driver's shoulder at the broken girl, already knowing what was waiting for her. Her own blood-streaked face stared up at her, the eyes open but seeing nothing. The woman knelt now too, hopelessly pressing the dead girl's neck with her fingers, looking for any signs of life. Azrael appeared soundlessly by her side and once again placed a gentle arm on the girl's shoulder. I'm sorry, little one. Sometimes it's not fair. She turned her back on the carnage and looked at him in his cool blue eyes, nodding in acquiescence. Azrael found himself flushed with admiration for the girl. His old heart broke for the millionth time as the road, the car, the couple and the broken girl dissolved in the blackness he lived in took them both. What did you think of that? Was it what you expected? I was kind of expecting it because that's kind of how I tried to leave my, my bit, but I absolutely loved it. See, I didn't expect that. I actually gasped when I heard it and said, no, so good. What did you think, Tony? Yeah, it's a beautiful, peaceful little ending from... Honestly, I had no idea who this character was when I did my bit. I was like, that's what was exciting about being able to do it. And then... I didn't know what it was going to be to then to have it go from, you know, trepidation to fear to calmness to, to, to this uh, this ending. It was a beautiful wee journey. It was a lovely, lovely little end. Yeah, it was. I think you all did an amazing job. What do you think, Stephanie? Absolutely amazing. Loved it. It was so nice and, like, warm. I was sitting here smiling. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't wait to get the next part of the story through to find out what was going to happen. I loved it. Fantastic ending. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, th- I thought maybe try and subvert it a wee bit. Um, I, d- I did have a feeling that Stephanie might be steering it in that kind of direction, at the, just at the very end of her part. Well, Cole was blown away by the ending, and this is what she said. She said it was amazing. It went in places that I didn't expect it to go. It was a roller coaster of emotion. I felt like excitement at one point. A lovely addition of the sentimental value in the family story, and I did think that it was kind of going towards the angel of death, but it was actually death himself as a character, and that was really amazing. I didn't expect that at all. And while she did love where the story went, she thought 
that it would go in the direction of like a classical murder plot, but she thought it would be kind of from the point of view of the victim and it would be a moral story on paying attention and not getting distracted when you're very tired. Well, in fairness, she might be right. Who knows what happened to the poor girl on the bike? You know? <laughs> <laughs> now you've heard the whole story, Greg. Are you happy with how it's gone? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's nice. It's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a cool thing to do, actually. Yeah, and thank you all so much for taking part. So before we end, Tony, for those who would like to find out more or listen to Scottish Memories, how can they find you? You can find me, obviously, wherever you can get your podcast. Scottish Memories will be on all of them. Also, you can find um, not just the podcast, because everything, all the podcasts are uh, done on Zoom. So all those videos of the podcast, if you'd rather watch it than listen to it, you can watch on YouTube on my channel, uh, Clan Brunford, which is also a Scottish history and tourism YouTube channel. So not only is all the podcasts on there, but lots of history stories and, and hints and tips if anyone's thinking about visiting in Edinburgh and Scotland as well. And Stephanie, where can everyone find Scottish and Scared? Firstly, thank you for having me. And uh, you can find Scottish and Scared uh, as well on all podcast platforms. It's everywhere. Um, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Scottish and Scared Pod. And that's kind of where we keep up to date with episodes and we kind of announce events and stuff because the podcast does do like a lot of ghost hunts and ghost tours and all that kind of thing. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely go follow us on Instagram. Brilliant. And Greg, tell us where we can find the Culture Swally. You can find us on Instagram at uh, the Culture Swally Pods. You can also find us on Twitter at Swally Pods. We've got a website too called uh, the cultureswally.com. Uh, you'd be not surprised to know I didn't have to fight anybody for that domain name. Um, and <laughs> you can find you can find links to uh, our socials there. We've got some articles about Scottish television, a big article about the Crankies. Uh, <laughs> we're on a bit of a Crankies thing when I did the website. And there's links to all our episodes on there too. Great. Well, there you have it. That was Scottish Murder's first ever story episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you will be pleased to know that we will be releasing a second story episode with different storytellers during the Scottish Collaboration Week too. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes being released during the 5th to the 11th of December from Scottish Murders. Thank you once again to Tony, Stephanie and Greg for taking part and for producing such an amazing story. Thank you so much for everything, Don. This has been so much fun. And a big thank you again to the fantastic Derek from Ratchet Book Club and Storytellers Podcasts for the great idea. Cole and I actually featured on an episode of Derek's Storyteller Podcast doing one of our very own story episodes, so go check that out too. All links will be in the show notes.